covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us for another week's worth of Brewers talk. Brewers are playing a little bit better baseball, scoring a few more runs, hitting at least a little bit better. The offensive numbers still leave a lot to be desired, uh, but the pitching continues to perform at a really, really high level, and uh, it feels like that funk that they were in, uh, maybe it's not completely in the rearview mirror, but at least mostly in the rearview mirror, and uh, good to see the Brewers come off a weekend against Washington where they were able to uh, sweep through a three-game series. Our uh, featured guest this week is the editor-in-chief over at Reviewing the Brew, David Gasper. He's going to join us coming up in uh, just a few moments. also want to mention this. It is a holiday weekend with Memorial Day coming up on Monday. Uh, For many people, that's the day that you are uh, listening to this podcast. It's always great to get the three-day weekend, especially this year uh, coming off of the pandemic still going on, but things are getting a little bit more back to normal and people are gathering with friends and families, and I'm sure there's going to be barbecues and get-togethers and things like that uh, all happening on on Monday, and it's great to be able to experience that, and it feels like it means a little bit more this year even than maybe other years because we've been missing uh, that here for a while. But obviously the reason we celebrate Memorial Day is to uh, remember uh, military members who have made the ultimate sacrifice and just honor uh, the military in the United States of America. So I, I know that we have a fair amount of people who listen to this podcast who are uh, maybe from Wisconsin and are, are deployed all over the world. I can see the numbers uh, in terms of where people listen to this podcast And I see a good number of international locations. And I can't help but believe that uh, a number of those might be people who are serving uh, in the military, even just across the United States who are serving uh, across the country. And just want to say thank you. We should probably, uh, it shouldn't take a holiday weekend for us to say thank you for what you do, but uh, thank you for for what you do. Current, former members of the military, family members of people uh, who, uh, who served in the military, just everybody. This is a uh, this is a special weekend, and as much as we get to enjoy the three-day weekend and enjoy being with friends and family, it's also good to remember uh, why we uh, why we have this three-day weekend, why uh, Monday is a holiday. So just want to mention that real quickly before we do move uh, forward and uh, talk a, a little bit of baseball. So I I like what the team did over the weekend against the Washington Nationals. Clearly, they win all three games. You're going to like that. But I thought it was a weekend where every game really had its own kind of personality to it. They played the doubleheader on Saturday and then single game on Sunday. The first game of the doubleheader on Saturday, that was the game that they won by a 4-1 score. Uh, That was uh, Freddie Peralta. Not only did he help the team win the game that day, he helped the team win the next game as well by going seven innings and them not being forced to uh, to use the bullpen. Uh, they got the Avisail Garcia home run as they took the uh, the early lead. They were able to get some add-on runs in that game as well. In that second game, that was probably the most unique game of the series. That was the game they won 6-2, and they were able to score those six runs without the aid of a home run. And for me, that's really important that they find a way to have those type of games. And, you know, there's people who who think they should do that more often. And my response to them is, 
That's a little easier said than done, being able to string hits together, being able to score runs uh, without hitting home runs. That's something that's really challenging for teams to do, period. That's not a Brewers issue. That's a Major League Baseball issue. And uh, there's been a lot of discussion about that. There continues to be uh, discussion. In fact, Bob Nightingale from USA Today wrote a piece that uh, published on Sunday where he talked with Theo Epstein, who is uh, advising Major League Baseball, and talked about a number of changes that will probably be coming in baseball, whether it's uh, a limited number of pitchers that you can have on the roster. Uh, that way you're trying to force teams to make pitchers pitch deeper into games. Uh, other things being experimented with, like pushing the mound back. And uh, obviously there's been a lot of talk about uh, getting rid of the shift, things like that. But um, there, it's just it's a challenge right now. It is, it is a challenge to be able to string hits together and score runs without a whole lot of home runs. And that's what the Brewers were able to do in that second game. And they didn't play an especially clean game. They committed a couple errors in that game, but it felt like that was a game where when there were plays to be made, they made them. They went 5 for 12, hitting with runners in scoring position. They don't win a lot of games like that, so it was good to see them win that game. And then the series finale on Sunday, I mean, it was, it was just a fantastic pitching performance when you look at what Brandon Woodruff did and what Max Scherzer did and the Brewers to their credit found a way to get two early runs when Avisael Garcia was able to hit a first inning home run against Max Scherzer and that holds up they did tack on a run in the ninth inning you know this is this was the uh, the two true outcomes kind of game right here. We talk about home runs and strikeouts. Well, that's what this game was. The Brewers score all three of their runs on home runs. And then from a strikeout perspective, each starter had uh, 10 strikeouts in the game. So that, that game kind of looked the way so many games look. But I'll say this. One of the things I've been talking about, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast last week or not. I've had some Twitter conversations about it. When it comes to Major League Baseball and pitching overrunning the hitting and being dominant and, and and being sometimes not happy about that or disgruntled towards that fact, Sunday's game does not fall under that umbrella for me. Because what Sunday's game was, was two really, really good pitchers. A future Hall of Famer and Max Scherzer, and, and a guy who looks like the best pitcher walking the face of the earth right now in Brandon Woodruff. And they went out and they pitched their backsides off. And it was really fun to watch. What I get frustrated with and what we're seeing more and more is guys who are not to the level of Brandon Woodruff. Guys who are not to the level of Max Scherzer. But for whatever reason... They're going out there and they're throwing six, seven innings, scoreless baseball, giving up two, three hits, never allowing uh, a runner pass first or a runner pass second. It's those type of performances that are frustrating because you know that the guy on the mound, and I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody, but you know, okay, this this isn't right. Why, why is this guy performing at this level? And if that happens every once in a while, you know, say, okay, everybody's got their day, right? But it's just happening too much. And I... It's hard to differentiate between the two things because I can sit here and complain about pitching being too dominant on one day, but then the next day I can talk about how much fun it was to watch a couple guys go at it. 
And I do think there is a difference between the two just based upon who's on the mound and what's really leading to uh, the exceptional pitching. And what we saw on Sunday was fun. It was special. It was cool. It was enjoyable uh, when Brandon Woodruff and Max Scherzer uh, put on quite the show. And I thought it was important that Woodruff was allowed to go out for that seventh inning as well. It was, I think, 98 pitches through six, and he went out, and he had – a 10-pitch inning there in his final inning and got to 106, a couple off his uh, career high in terms of pitches thrown. So, yeah, that was uh, that, that was enjoyable to see. And overall, I know we're, we always kind of look back at the entire last week worth of, worth of baseball, so it goes beyond that Washington series. They split a four-game series against San Diego, and admittedly there were two games there in the middle of the series where they did nothing offensively, scoring one run in each of the two games. One of them was a 10-inning loss. And you would have loved to have seen them do a little bit more. But overall, when you go back to the final game of that Cincinnati series back on May 22nd, they have scored four more runs in all but three games. And in of those three games where they scored not four, they scored three once, the Sunday game, and then they had those two middle games against the Padres where they scored one run. So the run scoring is trending in the right direction. I think the approach at the plate has been a little bit better recently as well. That's good to see. There's still a lot of room for improvement, a lot of room for improvement. From a team batting average standpoint, the team is hitting 211. That's that's not good enough, and they've got some work to do. It does feel like the addition of Willie Adamas has been really good for this team. Uh, he's had some really big games, kind of a, uh, from a consistency standpoint. Still, he's still not that guy that you just mark down for a hit or two on a on a nightly basis. It seems like his hits kind of come in bunches, but he is he's hit pretty well. His time with the Brewers, he's a three thirty three hitter. He's ten for thirty with the Brewers as of Sunday night. Has a home run, seven RBIs, a 9.29 OPS, 4.29 on base percentage. You know his overall numbers for the year not great. They're at 2.22 because he was hitting 197 with Tampa Bay. But yeah, 3.33 hitter in his nine games with the Brewers. That'll play, and he's playing some pretty good defense, pretty good, and he's a very good defensive shortstop. Uh, yeah, and he, he's had a mistake here or there, but that's what's going to happen when you play shortstop. Seems like there's energy. I think I talked about this last week. The, the roster depth is really improved as well because now you can, you know, while Travis Shaw struggles at the plate it's uh, and Luis Arias is, pl- is swinging it a lot better all of a sudden, you can really have a straight platoon now uh, with, with Urias and, and Shaw at third, and you can put Urias, you can spell Adamas, you can put him at second base uh, if you absolutely need to. So there's just, it, it feels like, yeah, Adamas is impacting the team with his bat and his performance, absolutely, but he's impacting the team because what his presence on the team mean, means in terms of roster depth and what you're doing with Luis Arias now, and also from an energy standpoint. It seems like they, they could have used a little bit of infusion of that energy, and uh, that's, what, that's what Adamus has brought. All right, uh, as mentioned, our featured guest this week, David Gasper. He is the editor-in-chief at Reviewing the Brew. He also is the uh, co-host of the uh, Cold Brew podcast, which uh, they've, had, they've had me on a couple times. I always enjoy being able to go talk with uh, with David and Matt when they, uh, when they ask me on and uh, get to return the favor with uh, David today as uh, he is our guest on the podcast. Let's go ahead and get to it. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, 
bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers X Journeys, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We're very happy to welcome on to the program. He is the editor-in-chief over at Reviewing the Brew. You can follow him on Twitter at dgasper24. It is David Gasper. David, thanks so much for uh, taking some time. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, always doing good after a, after a big sweep over there in Washington. Yeah, let's... Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that, and it was kind of a it was an interesting series, and I guess we'll go backwards first because the pitching matchup that we saw on Sunday was nothing short of spectacular. When when you're talking about Brandon Woodruff against Max Scherzer, and Woodruff outdoes Scherzer uh, in that contest, the Brewers were able to come up with a, a big hit early on before Scherzer kind of locked in, and it just goes to show. I mean, you look at you look at Woodruff's rankings right now in in Major League Baseball and the National League. It's it's really remarkable what he is doing right now. He has turned himself into one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Yeah, he really has. I mean, th- this is something where um, it, it was really kind of odd for Woodruff probably to feel like to walk out there with a two-run lead. He hasn't had that uh, too much at all this year. And yeah, uh, when, when you talk about the the numbers um, that that he has put up, um, I'm trying to. To find it here, uh, Woodruff came into the game uh, on Sunday here with the lowest batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging percentage allowed of any of the qualified pitchers in Major League Baseball. So he's been, you know, by slash line metrics, he's been the best pitcher in baseball this season. And you know, there's plenty of other numbers that that back that up. He's going deep in the games. He's at I think ten straight quality starts now, um, the longest. Stretch in Brewers history, I believe I saw with CC Sabathia in 2008, and Woodruff is is on that kind of a roll right now. I mean, he's just he's pitching well, and you knew once they got that early lead off Scherzer with, with Avisel Garcia home run. Now he's up to ten on the year. Uh, once he got that early lead, Woodruff was he was going to lock in, and he wasn't going to let go of it. Yeah, and yeah, you know, I I listened to him talk after games and. Because the media, we and I'm in, I'm in this group. Uh, we mm-hmm. we make a we make a big deal about the run support and, and things like that, and it really seems like he doesn't care. And I believe that he doesn't care. Like his whole thing is he just goes out and pitches and doesn't let anything any outside force impact the way he's going about things. Like the natural human reaction to getting the small run support that he generally gets would to be to show at least a little bit of frustration. And not only does he not publicly proclaim any frustration i actually believe that he's not frustrated by it i think he's just so singularly focused on on his task at hand it's really fun to watch yeah it's an interesting mindset that the brewers really kind of have because the same thing has kind of been with uh corbin burns and, and the rest of the rotation when they haven't really gotten much run support i mean they're just like that like they recognize that that hitting is hard and it's getting even more difficult and they're like, you know, they're they're doing their best. Like, it's not like the hitters are not trying. If the hitters were not trying, then it'd be like, okay, like, guys, like, come on. But, yeah, the natural reaction is like, okay, you couldn't give me, like, at least one. I don't need, like, eight or nine, but, like, one or two, something. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, Woodruff, he stays pretty, pretty even keeled out there. And, and same thing with Burns. Like, they are just so focused on – on what they're doing and just that batter and that, that next pitch, getting that next out. And 
Um, it, it's quite the mindset um, that, that they've developed and that they've shown out there on the mound. Um, and it's something that I really don't think you see from a lot of other guys across the league because, I mean, they're, they're looking around at a whole bunch of uh, other things and letting a whole bunch of other factors get in there. But these two, um, Woodruff especially, is just so uh, sticking on just what they're able to control and they're just letting everything else let, let, let the chips fall where they may. Seems like every time either of those guys pitches, there's all kinds of nuggets of information and historical data that come out, uh, comes out. And, and this was my favorite one after Sunday's game. Brandon Woodruff and Max Scherzer, second game in the live ball era where each starter allows two or less hits and strikes out 10. The only other game that ever happened in baseball history in the live era was when Corbin Burns and Jose Barrios almost no-hit each other <laughs> earlier this year. It's incredible that things like this oh are God. happening. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, that, that is insane. I didn't even see that earlier. Um, but, yeah, the, I mean, those two really, yeah, just going at it. And, I mean, these are the matchups that you really kind of, you know, look forward to. I mean, just, just kind of, you know, the old school, oh, this pitcher versus this pitcher, and, and that's really kind of what you're going to see. And that's what you got, a, a matchup of two aces there. And it, finally, this time, you know, Brandon Woodruff was on the, the winning end of that because, you know, typically it's always been, you know, the Brewers end up falling a bit short because the offense isn't able to do as much. Um, but they, they gave him some early run support, and and that was huge. And, yeah, it, it's always something historical. It felt like that with every burn start. And now we're reaching that point with Woodruff because mm-hmm. he's, he's finally gotten to – um, like he's just in such a groove right now. Like you can tell, like you can expect at the very least six innings, uh, pretty much every single time. Whereas, you know, in recent Brewers history, there's not too many pitchers where you could expect six or seven every single time out there. And now all of a sudden, like all season long, it's been those two guys, Freddie mm-hmm. Peralta is is right there, and you look at what yeah. he has done recently. He has not given up more than two runs in any of his last four starts, and he's only given up more than three runs once in all of his appearances so far this year. That three-headed monster, and you do continue to wonder how sustainable it's going to be, and we'll see if we're still having this conversation, say, two months from now, but there's nothing right now that would indicate it's the, at least some version of this isn't sustainable. I think we can throw Peralta right right in there with, with what we're talking about with Woodruff and Burns. Oh, 100%. I mean, Peralta just does not get the the recognition that those guys do. But, I mean, Peralta's been putting up the the big strikeout numbers along with, you know, the low run totals. And I mean, the thing with him is getting that command locked in every single day and not walking as many guys. And that's going to be his final, his final step to really kind of becoming that ace. But... Um, that's something that I was kind of saying at the beginning of the year in, in my uh, bold predictions article at reviewing the brew. Uh, I had Freddie Peralta establishes himself in the rotation and forms a big three with Woodruff and Burns. And, uh, you know, at the time when the season was beginning, there were a lot of people kind of questioning. It's like, oh, should he be in the rotation? You know, he's he's had so much success out of the bullpen. Maybe he should just stay there. And, you know, I think that should be his role. And it's like he's 24. You know, he's still just developing as a pitcher, and he's just now developed uh, the slider that he's bringing in this year, and he's got a changeup as well um, to go along with the curveball. He's got four pitches now. He's got the mix to to be in the rotation going forward, and it's some nasty stuff. So uh, with, with Freddie, 
Yeah, I, I think he's he's definitely up there, but he's not getting anywhere near the recognition, and he's probably deserving of an all-star spot this year, but I don't think he's going to get one because Woodruff and Burns are probably going to earn all-star nods, but do you really think that they would give three all-star nods to members of the Brewers' starting rotation? That That's a lot. It is, a, but if he's if he's sitting there with a two point three eight ERA when the teams are you know out there, and I mean he's got the best win loss record uh, between them all. I don't know. It's a it's a it's a fun question to certainly ask. And I'll raise my hand and I'll say I was among the group of people that thought he profiled better as a relief pitcher. Now mm-hmm. that was before he was showing an arsenal of pitches. That's when he was truly he fastball Freddie. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not embarrassed to say that I thought he profiled better as a bullpen pitcher because literally he did with his last who he was previously, he did profile better. He has completely changed himself, and that's one of the cool things here and people forget this and I talk about it all the time. Development doesn't stop at the big league level. You know, there are people who wanted to throw Corbin Burns away 2 years ago because he had a bad year. And and obviously we see what happens there. You mentioned Peralta's age. There was people who just wanted to put him in the bullpen and just be done with him. Well, he has continued to develop and he has cultivated more pitches and it just feels like sometimes people forget. And they were having the same conversation right now about Keston Hira even. Like we even if Hira has a completely horrendous year this entire year and never Never hits above a buck fifty. That doesn't mean he still can't turn into the guy that the Brewers believe he is. Yeah, one hundred percent. And Keston here is, you know, kind of been. He's kind of going through his own Corbin Burns year here. You know, he came up had initial success his first year. Um, you know, like Corbin Burns did out of the bullpen there in twenty eighteen, and then his next year, um, he's he's struggling, man. I mean, it's it's been ugly at times. Um, you know, he's just, he's not looking his usual self there in, in the, in the box. I mean, he's, he's late on 89 miles an hour. He, he's whiffing on 89 miles an hour right down the middle. Like it, it's not even a good pitch. It, it's just a cement mixer or it's just a straight fastball. That's not doing anything and he can't hit it. Um, I think there's a, a large mental part of this as well. And once it gets mental, it's very difficult to kind of reverse that in season. Um, he's someone that, that also has a very high leg kick and a long, uh, complicated load to, to get to his swing. And, you know, w- when there's that many moving parts to get to a swing, there's a lot that can go wrong and a very slim margin for error. Um, and, you know, perhaps he's just kind of that little bit off and that's what's causing everything to look so bad. Um, so maybe there's a mechanical change that they need to do going forward. I'm not sure. I don't even know if they've considered that, but that's not something you can really do in season on the fly. Um, but for, for Keston, yeah, it, he's going to need to try to, to figure something out to, to get the timing right. Um, cause he's just, his timing is just off or, or whatever it is for, um, so many pitches that he should be crushing and, and triple a, it looked like it was doing him wonders. But now that he's back up, it just kind of looks like the same old guy. Yeah, that's what scares me a little bit about the situation because sometimes you send a guy back to AAA and he has success and he's able to bring that success with him back to the big leagues. He went to AAA, appeared in nine games. He had a 1433 OPS, which is ridiculous. 
So, mm-hmm. and then he comes back, and for the first game or two, he hit the ball a little bit harder. We'll give him credit for that. But since then, it seems like he's reverted back. He's a lot of strikeouts. The batting average continues to go down. He's, I think he's he's at 137 right now. He was around 150 oh, when uh, when he went to AAA, and now he's he's at 137. He's got just uh, one or two hits since returning. I I don't know what you do. Because if you return him to Triple A, what what is he going to prove at Triple A? He just he just had a one four you know fourteen thirty three OPS, but you can't let him for maybe for a little while, but you can't let him have this extended period of just failure at the big league level. It's a really tough situation. I think it's you would almost rather a guy struggle at the big league level and struggle at the Triple A level than a guy struggle at the big league level and then just excel at the Triple A level because then you don't know what in the world to do with a guy. Yeah, and, and you're wondering, you know, how long do you really kind of keep him down there? I mean, his strikeout rate was still fairly high down in AAA when he was down there. Um, so that's something that still is kind of a little bit concerning. But, I mean, he's a guy who's going to strike out a, a decent amount. Um, but, yeah, it's just it, – it's been bad. I mean, 137. I mean, that's the, – the Brewers completely moved on from Travis Shaw, and they sent down Orlando Arcia and guys like that for a lot – like who were doing a lot better. They're hitting like, I think it was like 180, 190, and they, you know, cut ties with them. And then now we're here at 130. Um, it's, it, it's bad. It, it really is. It, it's looking bad. And, and yeah, what, what do you do? You know, they kind of took him offline for a little bit, sent him home um, so he could hang out with, you know, with his family and his mom who's sick. And, you know, that seemed to kind of help get him into a better mental space. And then he's, you know, when he was in AAA, he sounded, you know, in a great, you know, mental space. And he's really kind of getting back into the groove. So I was like, okay, now he finally seems ready. But now that he's, he's clearly not. So, yeah, what exactly do you do? Do you take him offline again? Do, do you kind of just send him home for, you know, a week or so? Do you send him back down to AAA and let him try to mash some more there? I mean, it's it's such a delicate spot to put him in because he he just he's borderline unplayable right now in in the lineup. And you don't want to do something that's going to hurt him from a mental standpoint moving forward. You you don't want his confidence to be so crushed that he doesn't come back from it. Yeah, and th- yeah, and that's and that's where like if you send him down a second time. That may do that. That like that may be the thing that that crushes his confidence. So you don't want to do that because I mean this this kid Keston Hira is a major part of the Brewers' future. I, I've written before they need him in this lineup. They need him functioning in this lineup. He is um, the big young hitter that that this system has has produced to really kind of help be the thumper in the lineup behind Christian Yelich because Yelich and Hira are really the only two that are capable of hitting 30 plus homers on, in a season on a regular basis and can hit 300 plus over a season. Those are the only two guys who really have that ability. And Yelich doesn't seem to have his power all the way back yet. And he's still kind of heating back up. So they need someone like Keston to be uh, another power bat there in the middle of that lineup. Cause they don't have much for power bats. You got Avisail Garcia, who's hot right now. Travis Shaw has gone pretty cold. Um, Yelch hasn't really shown his power. Narvaez has some, but not that much. There's there's not really much else for power in this lineup. Are you comfortable? And I hear it from fans 
every single time Christian Yelich is not in the lineup, I hear about it from fans. And my take, my take is always, we're not in the clubhouse. We're not doctors. We're not the trainers. We don't know what's going on. And I want to see him playing every day in August and September. I don't really care if he's playing every day right now. It would be nice, but it's it, I if you got to if it's one or the other get his back and get his body ready for the final couple months of the season when you really want him in there. But there's a there's a large contingent of fans that don't care about that, and they just want him in the lineup every day. Where, where do you kind of stand on that? Are you frustrated with, the, with how slowly they're bringing him back, or are you understanding of that? No, no, I'm not frustrated with it at all. The Brewers made a nine-year investment in Christian Yelich. Nine years. They signed him to a nine-year contract. So they need to keep him healthy throughout all of that to, to keep this contract from, from being a bust. And especially with a back issue, like if that could like if they really kind of handle this poorly, that could really screw up his back. And then like if you have to do like, you know, a back surgery or something like that, that's really getting dangerous. And that's not something you want to have happen to your superstar that you just gave two hundred and fifteen million dollars to over the next nine years. So the the key thing for them, I, I really think it, it's smart to play it safe with his back, make sure things are okay, because the last thing you need is this back issue becoming any worse and becoming a, a major problem throughout the next nine years that you have him under contract. So play, playing it safe, I think, is the right call with Yelich. He is your superstar. Yes, it's nice to have him now, but it's May. You, you need him, like you said, there in August, September, October. You need him out there every single day. If this was game seven of whatever playoff series of, of the NLCS or the World Series, then it, you know, then it's something different. But for a day game in May, I'm not worried about it. I agree. The team batting average is inching up. It's still really bad. It's 211, but it's it's inching Ugh. up. I've thought the approach has been a little bit tweaked here recently, really since the Cincinnati series. It just seems like a little bit more uh, going with what you're given, a little bit more trying to move runners over, a little less striking out. Nothing major, and there's been some some, some tough games still. It's not like it's been an everyday thing, but we're we're gra- we're trying to grab onto something positive when it comes to the team from a hitting perspective. And I, I think it is a little bit better. Do you, do you agree? <laughs> yeah, it certainly looked a, a little bit better these past couple of days here in, in Washington. I mean, getting to to score those runs early um, and getting a few add-on runs, you know, with, with the Omar Narvaez home run late in the game today, um, nice little insurance run, and just, you know, keep keep pouring it on. And I believe it was game two of the doubleheader where they, they had the six runs mm-hmm. without scoring a home or without hitting a homer. Um, being able to manufacture some runs. Um, so, I mean, that's really just kind of key. And, you know, as, as we've, as the saying goes, hitting is contagious. Um, so as soon as, you know, one of these guys uh, starts hitting, the other guys will start hitting. And really, I think it got sparked with Willie Adamas with, with adding him. Once he came in and he had, you know, the, the games there where he's putting in, you know, I, I think his first game, he had a hit with runners in scoring position. And it's like, Oh my God! Th- this is possible. They can do this. Um, it's a miracle. We haven't seen this for- in forever. Uh, but but yeah, and and now things have really kind of started, you know, rolling from there. Um, 
and he had that four for five game with a bunch of RBIs. So uh, I think I think Adamas has been one of the guys that's really sparked this offense. Also feels like so. Yes, you're right, a hundred percent right. Uh, it's created some more roster depth where Luis Arias is able to go play third. It's more of a straight platoon now with him and Shaw at third mm-hmm. based off righty-lefty. Um, it seems like for whatever reason, or if there was pressure or whatever on Arias before, he, his, he's been swinging it well since the trade. There seems to be a little bit more energy that, uh, um, that, that Adamas is bringing. It just it really feels like this trade is impacting this team more than simply Adamas's production. Yeah, that energy is something that this clubhouse has really kind of been missing, especially since the Arcia trade. Because um, Arcia was, you know, same kind of guy, always bringing a lot of energy into the clubhouse, onto the field, um, you know, always just kind of being uh, that kind of guy, that, that that kind of leader in the in the dugout. And, you know, after they traded him away, then it's like, okay, you lost him, you lost Jesus Aguilar, Hernan Perez. I mean, these were the guys who were really kind of the core energy bringers to, you know, the fun Brewers teams of 2018, 2019. And now they're all gone. So they didn't really have any big energy bringers. I mean, he had Brent Suter, uh, but, I mean, he's out in the bullpen. There's only so much energy he can bring in the dugout. Um, you got Manny Pena, who's, you know, who brings some energy, you know, pretty good, you know, clubhouse guy, great leader. He started the the Tiger thing that they got now, the, the Beast Mode 2.0, whatever it is. Um, so you got those guys, but that's really kind of it. Um, so you needed someone like Adamas to really kind of bring a lot more energy to this team. And that's it's what he's done. And that's really kind of been the... The big thing, when, when the Brewers got Adamas, that's the thing that the Rays and Rays fans were all, were all talking about, just the energy he brings, what he is like as a clubhouse guy, not even just about what he, what he brings on the field, which is a great defender at short and a pretty solid hitter, but also just what it is in the dugout, in the clubhouse that he brings to spark some energy. Uh, you, you are totally locked in on what's going on in the minor leagues and it's so nice to finally have true minor league baseball to be able to talk about and um i I think there's a lot of exciting players and when when you're really into the minor leagues a lot of times you focus kind of below triple a and the triple a team is off in nashville they've got a fantastic record but you you look at that roster with the timber rattlers and you see garrett mitchell and, and just there's been so many good stories uh so far this year in a very short start to the season it seems like every day i'm looking at these box scores and just seeing some really cool performances from uh various minor leaguers across the system yeah, there there have been so many interesting ones, and some that you know perhaps I didn't you know quite I wouldn't quite expect as much uh, to be having great seasons, but uh, they're showing up really well. And I think one of the more exciting guys uh, is Ernesto Martinez Jr. down there in Carolina. I don't know if you've watched his home run videos, but when the Carolina Mudcats posted, and he's hit like six or seven home runs, I think already. And, like, he's got, like, a full, like, bat drop, like, as, as he finishes the swing. He has, like, the Fernando Tatis, like, stutter, like, going into third base. He's just got, like, all the, the swagger and everything bringing it in. I saw um, a video before we, before we came on here where it was a play to end the game there in Carolina. And this dude, Ernesto Martinez, at six foot six and 230 pounds, does the splits. 
hmm. in the stretch at first base. I mean, it's it's insane. So Ernesto Martinez is one guy I'm re- I'm really enjoying. Joe Gray Jr. has had a lot of home runs down in Carolina. Um, David Hamilton in uh, Wisconsin, he's been doing really well. Um, just uh, Corey Howell, too. He's really had a strong start to the season. So there have been a lot of uh, really good performances so far uh, in low A and in high A that, that have been really exciting to see. And one name that really kind of came out of nowhere, Brendan Murphy. I, I don't know if you remember him. He was a left-handed pitcher, fourth-round pick out of high school in 2017, has not pitched since 2017. Mm-hmm. Like he, he had like after he got drafted, he pitched a few innings. Didn't see him at all. 2018, 2019, um, 2020. Never heard anything about like where he was or, or what happened. And now he's back, and I think he just threw a complete game shutout for Carolina. Huh. Isn't it funny how things like that work out? Yeah, like the, some of these you know minor league stories and and just how they. Um, come through like uh, Caden Lemons too. Hadn't seen him in like two years, and he's pitched down there in uh, in Carolina. And uh, TJ Shook, an undrafted free agent, having a strong season for Carolina. I mean, there's just uh, so many uh, interesting prospects in this system um, that I, I feel like a lot are kind of boomer bust, and you know we'll see how they do. But it seems like there's a decent amount of them that that are booming, which is great to see. Um, I think I'm going to try to head to a Timber Rattlers game sometime this next week. Um, check out, you know, Garrett Mitchell and the, and, uh, the squad up there. Uh, now that Mitchell's back, he had that knee injury. He got back in the lineup today. So, yeah, so many crazy things going on down there in the minor leagues. And there's been, I, I think I saw the Mudcats scored like 66 runs in, in this week. They They've been out to a... a- pretty solid start as well you look at them you look at nashville the top and the bottom are the two teams that have the best record so far uh across Mm -hmm. the brewers uh minor league affiliates before we let you go give a plug Uh, you guys are just churning out content on on an everyday basis uh over there reviewing the brew it's really great stuff give a give a plug for what you and what your entire staff are doing right now yeah so we've had um you know a bunch of stuff coming out in the past couple of days Uh, we've had uh, some mock draft results the draft is coming up in about another month or so um so we'll be kicking off more draft coverage um, of potential prospects that brewers could take in the in the first round um we'll have that coming in the next uh, couple of weeks here um we're taking a look at you know got a couple looks at a shortstop here coming up um we've taken a look at you know I, i talked earlier about freddie peralta being great but you know trying to be an all-star um trying to find some options too for the for the bullpen depth uh, i think that was my uh latest article because the bullpen depth kind of got thinned out uh, with the willie Domus trade um so trying to find some internal options to to help fill uh with the a group in the bullpen because you know they're they're going to need some help there and i think that's going to be a trade deadline um acquisition something that they're going to look at there but that's still two months away, so and they, they might have to have some uh, internal options to help fill that spot. It seems like uh, the one one of the best track records David Stearns has as, as running this baseball team. They've always been able to go out those and get those veteran bullpen arms that you can mm-hmm. immediately place into high leverage situation. Whether it's a 
Sawyer, Swarzak, like uh, Pomerantz, like all these guys, they do it every year. So when when they traded away um, Fire Ice and Rasmussen, like I'm disappointed for the future because I thought, especially Rasmussen, it was going to be exciting mm-hmm. to see what he could turn into. Uh, in the short term, there's some bullpen depth issues, but I, they're, they're going to be fine. They're going to get guys to fill those spots. Yeah, and, and Brad Boxberger has done you know fairly fine job you know filling in in the meantime. I, I think he's now your seventh inning guy, um, but yeah, they're, they're going to need some extra help there. I think, um, and, and yeah, I'm sure Stearns will find somebody that's under the radar that none of us really thought of, but when we look at him, it's like, oh yeah, that's yeah. totally obvious because that's just kind of how Stearns Stearns rolls sometimes. So yeah, there's they're, they're going to need a, I think another bullpen arm. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of who they go with and if any of their internal options are able to step up uh, in the near future. He is David Gasper. He is the editor-in-chief over at Reviewing the Brew, also uh, co-host of the uh, Cold Brew uh, podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at dgasper24. That's dgasper 24 David, thanks for taking time on a holiday weekend of, as, as well. That's, uh, that's a big ask by me. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Really do appreciate it. Yep, no problem. Thanks, man. I'm happy to come on anytime. David Gasper joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. As we do start to uh, wrap things up here on the program, Brewers getting set for a uh, week's worth of home games. They're going to have a Wednesday off this week, but as far as the uh, schedule goes, uh, they're going to match up against the Tigers coming up on Monday and Tuesday. Monday for Memorial Day is an afternoon contest. That's going to be a 110 first pitch. Corbin Burns is a uh, set to get the start uh, for the Brewers. He's going to be opposed by Tyler Alexander. And then in the second game coming up on Tuesday, Adrian Hauser is the scheduled starter for the Brewers and he'll be opposed by Matthew Boyd. After the off day on Wednesday, they welcome in the Arizona Diamondbacks for a four-game series. We've seen the Brewers sometimes not have success against teams with not-so-great records. There are, there are certainly times where it feels like they play up and play down to their competition. So you can't always make these wide-ranging statements when it comes to who your opposition is going to be. But for the most part, the month of June seems like a great opportunity for the Brewers to collect wins. This is what the month of June looks like until the, the final week. They're going to play, as mentioned, two against Detroit, then four against Arizona, three against Cincinnati, three against Pittsburgh, three against Cincinnati, four against the Rockies, three against Arizona, three against Colorado. That takes you through June 27th, and then they'll open up a series against the Cubs on June 28th before uh, before they'll play uh, Pittsburgh. But that, that entire group of teams that I mentioned prior to the Cubs series, so for the entire month of June, from June 1st, until they play the Rockies on June 27th, wrapping up that series. That's all teams with sub-500 records. So it just feels like, you know, famous last words, knock on wood, whatever you want. It just feels like an opportunity that the Brewers have to uh, to collect some wins here in the month of June if they can uh, do what really they are supposed to do. A, uh, a reminder for you, the Bucks are in the postseason. Now they've got some time off. They're not going to begin their next series until Saturday at the earliest, possibly Monday as well. But if you ever do tune in to WTMJ and you hear Bucks basketball and you're looking for the Brewers, you can find the Brewers on at 94.5 ESPN. Appreciation to uh, David Gasper for uh, joining us on the podcast. Have a uh, great rest of your uh, holiday weekend. 
And uh, we look forward to talking to you again very, very soon for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.